0: If only
1: to be a reasonable man. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, joining you as usual. Joining me, rather as usual. I guess he's joining you also. Less uh, joining
0: you less... while joining me.
1: Yes, touching hands, all... all that stuff. Hands touching hands. <laughs> We're
0: all we are all joined.
1: Mike's touching Mike's Eric Corrine uh, is the person joining me and joining us as usual to talk about your Toronto Raptors. Your 21 and five Toronto Raptors, your Eastern conference leading your NBA leading Toronto Raptors uh, fun week. Been a few big games. Uh, a lot of visitors from the United States uh, from major television networks uh, from around the world for, Giants of Africa and the Nelson Mandela centenary that Masai Ujiri put on uh, a lot of eyeballs on a very good Raptors team that even, you know, maybe not at their best. The, the last couple of games since we last talked a uh, really strong week, beat the Golden State Warriors in overtime, uh, beat the Cleveland Cavaliers without Kyle Lowry, narrow loss to the Denver Nuggets in what I thought was a spirited second half effort on the defensive end. And then uh, a really fun win against the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night. I seem to be in the minority uh, in terms of finding that game to have been fun. I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, watching Kawhi Leonard, is uh, it's soothing, Eric.
0: Well, I think that was his best game as a Raptor, and that is fun. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I he, mean, he took over a game but... in which Jimmy Butler scored 38 points. Like, I looked up, and Butler had like 25. I'm like, when did that happen? Because one guy was so, con- you know, from the from from the moment he dunked in the second quarter on, one guy was controlling the game so much, and and I think it's what was interesting about it, and I wrote about this is that in the first quarter and a half of that game, it was sort of the first time all year uh, when Kawhi has been in the lineup at least that I thought, oh, man, this other team just has more frontline talent than them. Like, Philadelphia looked bigger. Uh, I mean, they are bigger, but they looked bigger, and they were sort of making the Raptors uncomfortable, certainly, when they had the ball. The Raptors' offense, besides shots not falling, was having trouble finding those shots at time. And then Kawhi Leonard just kind of slowly took over to the point where it's hard to remember anything else about that game.
1: Yeah. Leonard finished with 36 points in 35 minutes, uh, nine rebounds, five steals, knocked down five of his six threes and and is quietly back up above 36% on threes. Uh, Quite a week for Kawhi Leonard because obviously he, he battled Jimmy Butler here and that was a fun duel. And the Raptors came out on top Uh, against golden state. Kevin Durant obviously dropped 51 points, but in the minutes that those two shared the floor together, um, they, Kawhi matched him for scoring, had a little bit more of a defensive impact. Uh, I would say Kawhi Leonard won those minutes opposite Kevin Durant. I would say Kawhi Leonard won those minutes opposite Jimmy Butler, even though, again, like, like you mentioned, Butler was was pretty efficient with his thirty eight and ten. And they I think were problem,
0: Kawhi Leonard also spent most of his time, if I'm not incorrect, on Ben Simmons. Destroying him. Yes, Uh, seven
1: turnovers for Ben Simmons, uh, giving him eighteen in two games against the Raptors. Uh, The coward was also two points shy of a triple double because he won't shoot. (laughs) I'm going to refer to him as the coward Ben Simmons from now on, at least when he's playing the Raptors. I I like him otherwise, but
0: yeah, no, he's uh, he's a good player.
1: Um, So obviously, a a great week for Kawhi. Kawhi, you zoom out now, and obviously, we've talked a lot about his progress, and he gets asked every game how close to 100% he is and, and things like that. Right now, averaging a career high in minutes, which colors this a little bit. Um, I wouldn't get too concerned about that because he's had six of 26 games off. Uh, but career high points, career high rebounds, career high assists, uh, his efficiency tracking back toward a 60% true shooting mark on about 30% usage. Uh, This guy looks very much like the MVP. I'm not saying he's an MVP candidate right now because he's missed, you know, a quarter of the team's games and his first 10 or so, 10, maybe 12, uh, weren't quite up to that standard. But I believe we're starting to see uh, more and more of the guy who came second and third in MVP voting in consecutive years.
0: Yeah, it's funny. The thing that Ruin, and a lot of people were doing this after the games, and, oh, you know, Kawhi seems to step up and, in big spotlight games, which he does. But, you know, in between those big spotlight games, he also was the only player doing anything against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes. So uh, uh, it's not only those games. He's certainly approaching that level. Uh, I I think if I were Kawhi Leonard, uh, which I'm not, but if I were asked every game, how close I am to being 100%, I would just like keep on going up 1% every time I am uh, I was asked.
1: Yeah, I hope one day he says something like, I'm at 103% or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah you There's mentioned that uh, Barney Stinson line where it's just, you just always say 83 um, It's just like a, a stat that seems real.
1: Yeah. 83%. Uh, so- that's what I'm at. Kawhi Leonard, uh, very good. You mentioned him also being good in the Cleveland game. And I think, you know, this this narrative that he gets up for big games and he's obviously performed super well in these nationally televised games. You know, I, I know, I understand why people are ascribing a psychological factor to that uh, and maybe internalizing it uh, to Kawhi. I wonder, though, if that's a little bit of the fundamental attribution error, considering that each of those games has been against very good teams. And it's possible that it's not Kawhi Leonard not getting up for the lesser teams, but the Raptors needing him less against lesser teams, uh, the Cleveland game accepted. So, you know, it's maybe not, oh, Kawhi Leonard gets up for these games more. It's like, no, the Raptors lean on Kawhi Leonard a little bit more uh, in these games against really good teams. Uh, obviously, I'm splitting hairs as to...
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. But, you know, it, it's just, it's interesting because Nick Nurse said the same thing that we're talking about. He said he thinks he gets up a bit more for those games, too. Uh,
1: Wouldn't you? And, uh, I... I mean, I already do. You have, <laughs> I mean, you'd, I like. look, you—you have no idea. The Thursday night four-on-four four coed TSSC league uh, begins their playoffs tonight. I'm getting up for for that game. Um, you wouldn't really understand that, I guess. But
0: yeah, we want to do this.
1: No, we don't need right. to do this. I <laughs> Just got to get one shot in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to, uh, and we got to hurry because I got to shoot around shortly. You know, Reynolds runs a tight ship. Yeah.
0: <laughs> go to uh, just go to old city hall and uh, <laughs> like run, run something through on the ice rink.
1: The other uh, the other big story from this 76ers game, other than Kawhi Leonard being awesome, uh, Ben Simmons being a coward, Joel Embiid, 10 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, shot five of 17, four turnovers, picked up five fouls, was a monstrous minus 23. And even though Serge Ibaka has started both games against the 76ers so far, and the Raptors have been good in those minutes. Quietly, uh, the 27 minutes of the valanciunas Embiid matchup this year, Valanciunas has outscored Embiid 39-15, to and the Raptors are plus 13 in those 27 minutes. Uh, Wednesday night, a nice little, not bounce back for Jonas Valanciunas, because I don't think he'd been as bad as people kind of made it out to be, but a nice little reminder of what he can do and how hyper-efficient he can be, in that bench role he settled in on 26 points eight rebounds two assists in just 18 minutes uh and that's after fighting off foul trouble in the first half where uh you know he, he only played three minutes and 29 seconds and, and then necessitated uh some hilariously fun greg monroe minutes
0: yeah i mean and it was an interesting week and by week i mean our week between our podcasts which is the only standard definition of a week obviously um, for Valentunas, Cause I think it sort of reflects what we might see in the playoffs. Like there was the game against golden state where he played, but he really had no place in that game. He was attacked every time he was on the floor. And if they take, if they play a golden state or maybe even a Milwaukee, who knows he might have a limited or no role in that series. I think that's a viable possibility, uh, but you play a team like Philadelphia and thought then all of a sudden he becomes immensely valuable. And I think that's sort of how the rotation is, is going to be or should be of a, of a team that wants to compete at this level. You have five or six guys who you know are always going to be playing and always useful and you know what their roles are going to be. And then there's, A collection of, you know, maybe in the Raptors case, five other guys, but on on some other teams, two or three other guys and one or two of them are going to prove to be very useful in a series. And that's just sort of how the playoffs work. And we saw both sides of Valanchunas and he had a wonderful second half. He outplayed Embiid by quite a bit. It was not Embiid's best night in general. Um, but you gotta, you gotta give it to him, especially. You know, I, I think one of the things that Nick Nurse mentioned that I think we've both seen over the years is how badly Jonas Valanciunas wants to contribute. It sort of cuts both ways because when some chippies don't fall, he gets really down on himself, and I, I don't think it necessarily affects his play on the other on the other end. It's gonna. It's just naturally his defensive play is going to be a bit volatile and a bit unpredictable and it's going to suffer in certain plays. But he's, you know, we always talk about the merits of being even keeled. He has a tough time doing that, I think. Uh, and it, it's fascinating to watch at, at real time.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm with you on the, you know, and the even keel. I, I I go back and forth on it because obviously it's it's great to be able to um, ride out the lows without getting too low but also you know there's something to be said for a guy riding the highs and getting more and more confidence and, and kind of you know not irrationally because Jonas Valanciunas is a 90th percentile post-up scorer again this year but just you know feed, feed me the ball against Joel Embiid who's supposed to be the best center in basketball right now um, you know I don't know I like it it's, it's maybe yeah, and, and it's more fun sorry. than it is logical I guess but
0: yeah and that's and that part of last night, or I should say of Wednesday night, depending on when you're listening to this is, was really massive because his offensive play allowed basically all of the bench to have some really nice moments in that game. And boy, did they need that? And, you know, even, uh, even CJ miles, his shots didn't fall, but I think in the first half, he had a nice drive and, and kick for, I think of Alan dunk. uh, Somebody dunked. Uh, And then Van Vliet made some nice plays just to get to the rim and get the ball up to allow for some offensive rebounds, which along with turnovers is really where the Raptors uh, swung this game. Uh, And uh, DeLon Wright, I think, has a very strong case to be playing more, uh, especially when the schedule lightens up a bit. Uh, I, I understand why Nick Nurse is leaning as heavily on his starters, as he is, but I think Dylan Wright recently has been the the best, or at least most impactful of the reserves. Uh, the whole bench looked pretty useful, I, I, maybe with the exception of OG Ananobi, who's didn't have the best night, I would say, and is in since returning from his wrist injury is in a you know a bit of a I, I, slump is maybe too strong, but we certainly haven't seen the confidence and uh, physicality that we were seeing uh, just before he got injured when he really looked to be finding his form.
1: A couple things to respond to from that. You mentioned uh, turnovers and offensive rebounds. Big swing factor in this game. Obviously, um, you know, the Raptors were not hyper-efficient with the possessions, the shooting possessions they did get. They got 14 more shooting possessions. That's, uh, that's important. If you get more shots at the rim, obviously everyone gets the same number of possessions. But if you get more shots up, at the net, uh, you know, that helps your chances. You can shoot 27% on threes for a night and uh, and come out okay. Um, you mentioned the bench, kind of everyone having some moments and everyone having a good game. Um, interestingly enough, no one really scored other than Jonas Valanciunas, uh, but the bench as a group was fairly effective. Now, the five-man bench unit only really played uh, about a minute together But you zoom out, and that group has started to look uh, a little bit better. They're a plus 10.4 net rating in 40 minutes on the air, which I think is probably surprising to to some people to hear, given how we've talked about the bench. Um, Earlier on, some of that was an unsustainable three-point percentage and an unsustainably low opponent three-point percentage. That has normalized a little bit. And then you and I have talked about, and I've written about but pretty at length now, how Siakam looks with the bench and, and how that's a potential... You know, fix longer term if the bench groups can't figure it out on their own. Well, you know that group last night you saw at the top of the fourth quarter. Nick Nurse kind of rolls them out, um, gets CJ Miles in quickly for Ananobi, who by the way is still wearing a wrist brace after games, and I wonder if maybe he's not a hundred percent. Gets that Siakam and bench group in there, rides it to like a plus eight or plus nine stretch, and then the Sixers bring back in Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler and Nick Nurse still rides them, and they buy another three minutes for Lowry and Leonard at even. Um, obviously, we're talking an extremely small sample. Siakam in the bench in, in place of that owner and an OB, um, that particular look, plus 31.2 net rating in seven minutes so far this year. Um, don't take any conclusions from a seven-minute sample, but it was nice to see. Um, you know, We've talked about a little bit how the Raptors don't need to maximize every minute right now. They can do things like, Well, maybe the five man bench unit will figure it out. Well, maybe we could put the ball in Fred's hands and he'll figure out a pick and roll chemistry with Jonas Valanciunas. Maybe we could do this and keep, you know, Kawhi Leonard at 35, Kyle Lowry at 33 minutes in a game this big and this tight um, without maximizing every single minute because it's December. It was, however, nice to see that, you know, a lineup that logically makes a lot of sense uh, thrived as it did. And Pascal Siakam, I thought the 76ers did a really nice job taking away his offensive game. Uh, he was three of eight, which is a horrible game by his standards. Uh, finished with only six points, but he hit the glass. He had five offensive rebounds, six assists, uh, kind of led that that bench unit as a secondary playmaker, similar to how we saw it through at the end of last year. So, um, you know, it was nice to see all of those things kind of click and fall into place in a game where, you know, the Raptors, they maybe could have leaned on their starters for 40 minutes, but, but they didn't have to to come away with that win. And that, that's pretty encouraging.
0: Uh, first of all, I'd like to say there is a gray cat sitting on my windowsill, sort of having a stare-off with me. Uh, this has happened in the past with a ginger cat, and if my own cat comes out and sees this, you might hear some just, like, loud pitch screaming all of a sudden. Okay. Uh, so don't be alarmed. Cats are creepy AF. Um Another, uh, I think you touched on Siak I don't think, I know, I was listening while being mesmerized by this cat, uh, and the siakum element was very interesting again from a playoff perspective because teams are going to basically dare them to, to use space and and to make shots even more than we're currently seeing, and he wasn't terribly effective on offense last night. Yeah, there's, you know, if anything, you know, bodies like Ben Simmons or Wilson Chandler uh, are sort of the ideal type of, you know, body type to defend him. Uh, thick guys with with some mobility uh, and obviously with length and, and height and all that good stuff uh and his spin moves were not as effective obviously he had trouble getting to the other side but you saw him stay with that game with the game and impact games in uh the game in other ways with his passing with his rebounding and that's where his motor just becomes so valuable uh because where some guys need their shots to fall to be impactful uh you know, Pascal Siakam's just now becoming a scorer. He's he had he got into the rotation. I mean, one because of injury, but because he was so reliable for these other things and just a certain energy level. And in the playoffs, he's going to have nights like that. Uh, teams are going to try to take him out offensively because if you have the right ros the right uh, sort of roster. It's easier to take him out necessarily than you know Kawhi or uh, Lowry from an offensive perspective, but he's so valuable that he needs to remember what got him here, and there's certainly no sign that he's forgetting that. Uh, it was in its own way an encouraging performance.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, Serge Baca also a decent game, even though the um, you know the minutes didn't or the the time he was on the floor didn't necessarily swing the Raptors' way interesting stat that i'm just going to throw out there and not offer any other context uh the raptors raptors games have been the weirdest games in the nba in one particular area this year um i think everyone knows the raptors are stroking it from mid-range pretty well the raptors have the best long mid-range percentage in the league at 52.5 percent, and that shots 14 feet to the three-point line per cleaning the glass uh also opponents are shooting the second best percentage against the Raptors in that area at 45.8%. So Raptors games have just had like an outsized percentage of mid-range shots dropping. And I'm going to blame Serge Ibaka because he's just wet from that area. I think he's at 60% on the year um, in that long mid-range area. And he's like, he's always been very good in that area. Serge Ibaka just holding together uh, the last vestiges uh, of the long mid-range game in the NBA
0: it's fun. It's funny how quickly that shot went from like, "What are you doing, Serge?" to, I mean, obviously that's a great shot. Like they they got that shot. I forget which game it was. Like in crunch time, once just on a pick and pop, and it's like, yeah, it's a great look. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's you know statistically a, a semi contested mid range two is. Not what you want, but I'm just currently looking up Serge's uh, shot dashboard. Uh, on, let's see here. From, oh, this is, this is riveting,
1: riveting radio. Here.
0: Yeah, no, riveting, uh, riveting radio.
1: Uh, what are you trying to look up?
0: Yeah, I'm looking up his percentage on catch and shoot two point field goals uh, from. Overall, he's 66%. Uh, so that's pretty good. Uh, and But that obviously includes layups. So we're going to s- stop trying to figure this out on the fly. He's good. Uh, and, and also the Raptors' defensive schemes, like most defensive schemes now, allow for those shots and encourage those shots. And we've certainly seen games and the the new Orleans loss comes to mind where they were purposely giving up those sort of long floaters. Also the Memphis game where Mike Conley and Shelvin Mack were killing them early uh, on that. And I mean, I think they have to learn how to defend that area a bit better and there are things they can do. But I think in general, you hope that teams regress to the mean from that when they have hot starts and most, most teams will.
1: Yeah, maybe not the Washington Wizards in a playoff series where Mike Scott Mike Scott shoots like seventy three percent, but most teams will eventually regress in that area. Yeah. And seven games is a is a fair amount of time. Speaking of regression, one area the Raptors still uh, struggling a little bit, and you expect some regression based on their true talent level. Uh, they are twenty first in the NBA with a thirty four point four percent mark from beyond the arc. Uh, they're doing well to get them up. They're fifth in three point attempts per game, eighth in uh, percentage of Their field goal attempts, which are from beyond the arc, they're just not dropping a whole lot. And and I think, you know, I wrote a big thing about this about two weeks ago, and we know that you have to regress uh, team three-point percentage to about 65 games of either the average or your expected three-point percentage for them. This is as frustrating as it's been at times, still not cause for alarm. Uh, I don't believe Kyle Lowry is a 34% three-point shooter. I don't believe Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Serge Ibaka, and CJ Miles are all 30 or sub-30 percent three-point shooters um and even danny green's come back down to earth a little bit uh at 42.8 percent and and the team's mark has mostly been fine uh eric are you obviously not all three point shots are are created equal are you still confident in the quality of looks the raptors are generating beyond the arc and and therefore still you know reasonably optimistic that they'll settle in as a as an average three-point shooting team or better
0: um yeah okay i think they've been I mean, I'd, I'd have to do a, a more thorough study of it, which I obviously have not done at this point. But yeah. Uh, so, it how open are the looks, account? like? I don't read your work. Yeah, I, know. Um, um, <laughs> I usually do, uh, uh, but we're in a feud now, as everybody on Twitter yes. knows. So we're refusing to support each other. Um, look, for a while, Kyle Lowry and Danny Green were the best shooting backcourt in the league. Recently, they've been not the best shooting backcourt in the league. In the league, and I expect they'll end up closer to the former than the latter, and that makes up a lot of the Raptors' threes. We should talk about uh, that sort of my Kyle Lowry a little bit. Uh, before that, Serge Ibaka is shooting seventy-one point eight percent from sixteen feet to the three-point range to three-point arc, ah. which is uh, good.
1: All right, Kyle Lowry. Over the last month, fourteen games, he's averaging just twelve points, shooting thirty-eight percent overall, twenty-nine percent on over six threes per game. We've seen Kyle Lowry have shooting slumps before. Uh, I think the fact that Kyle Lowry wilts in big games, or whatever narrative people are trying to assign to this, is ridiculous. Uh, he shot almost 50, 40, 90 in the playoffs last year. Um, he has had big games, and
0: also he has maybe the he has maybe the greatest clutch game performance in, in Raptors history in Game 7 against Miami. He
1: has also, even uh, just this year, had big games against Boston. And they suck now, but people were worried about the Washington matchups. So he's played well in those. He played well against the Lakers, etc. Uh, people are just picking and choosing which games they want to count. Um, however, it, there there is no working around the fact that Kyle Lowry shot the ball poorly. I would argue he has not played poorly. Um, he's still... Uh, it, even last even night, in that st- right, one yeah. of his... Yeah. Even in that stretch, he's, he's averaging nine assists and, and over a steal a game. Last night he drew two charges on Joel Embiid. Uh, so even last night, when he I think leads he the league and, assists,
0: he leads the league in charges drawn on Joel Embiid. And definitely. in general,
1: he's back. Uh, he's back ahead of Urson uh, uh, Ilyasova yeah. for the league lead with twelve char- charges drawn. Eat it, Urson. Yeah, him and Urson every year, and then Demarcus Cousins when he's healthy. Those are your those are yeah. your annual yeah. charge drawn <laughs> leaders. Um, so Kyle Lowry has played well around this shooting slump. But, Eric, does it hit a point? At what point are you a little concerned? Either, you know, we saw Kyle Lowry pass up another potential big three uh, in, in last night's game. He did it against Golden State and then canned a huge one shortly after, so, so not a big deal. But he's, what, four for his last 20 now, and, and maybe, may, I, I don't know. Kyle Lowry doesn't strike me as a guy who is going to let us know if his confidence is shot. But um, maybe a little bit of a concern, or is this just an extended um, – ebb and flow to, to the high variance shots that are going to vary highly.
0: Yeah, it's a small concern. I mean, we've, we've seen them do the sort of performative shooting exhibition after game one against Miami in 2016. Uh, the passing up clean looks, uh, there was one in the Denver game too, I believe, uh, is not good. This team, you have to take the shot that is there or else the offense gets ruined. Uh, And he's not doing that at times, uh, you know, both small and big. Uh, So I wouldn't say, you know, even though the Denver game was interesting, it wasn't, you know, a marquee matchup. Not everybody across the league was watching it. it. You know, it wasn't on national TV and he still had confidence issues that game. So the whole narrative where he only, I mean, I don't want to say confidence issues, but clearly he turned down some good looks in that game. So it's not only when the bright lights are on, does Kyle Lowry sort of get inside his own head a bit? Uh, that's not a fair narrative, uh, but I think he'll bounce back. And I think, you know, he's going to end up the year, you know, at 38 or 39% probably Uh if he doesn't, you know, I, I still think he's going to have streaks like we've already seen this year where he's shooting the hell out of the ball. And I'm not terribly worried. Now, it's very important for the Raptors as a three-point shooting team that he gets it going. Uh, so on that level, uh, when you see him uh, pulling back and not taking the shots, it becomes a concern. But, uh, And I was saying to Tim Bontemps, whose last name is, should still be bon temps. Um, last night, uh, you know, you sort of, even when he's 0 for 5, I sort of want to see him just, like, take a pull-up 3 in transition just for his confidence sake. Like, like early in the third quarter when the arena is uh, is sort of dead and it doesn't, you know, it's not going to create a huge wave one way or the other. It would be nice to sort of try and see him take that rhythm shot and that confidence shot that is so... You know, that when he's playing well is a big part of his game. Uh, but he's also what part of what we've liked about his play this year is how he's been sort of hardwired to make the right play and really get other people involved. Uh, I think that's maybe going a bit too far the other way. He threw some very difficult passes last night that uh, I think Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard made some pretty remarkable catches on. Uh, but I think it's going to be fine in the end. Uh, Little concern to answer your question in the longest way
1: possible. I would agree with most of that. All right, let's look ahead. I would agree with most of that. All right, let's look ahead. Sorry, getting some feedback there. Sorry. Um, Sorry. sorry. Eric, did your headphones pop up?
0: They are still in.
1: Uh, Okay, well, on we trudge. Uh, The Raptors play in Brooklyn on Friday, and then they return home to play the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo on Sunday. The Bucks... The Nets are the Nets. They're fun. Uh, the Karis LeVert injury really sucks. Uh, they play hard and they play smart. Uh, they're just not super good. The Milwaukee Bucks are a tougher challenge. Since they last beat the Raptors to move to seven and zero and win uh, the Kawhi and Giannis list battle of first ever six and zero teams head to head, the Bucks have stumbled a bit, going nine and seven. Obviously, still dangerous. Obviously, Giannis is still Giannis as long as he's not against Mario Hazonia. Uh The Raptors do not employ Mario Hazonia, so that'll be uh, that'll be a tough one. On Sunday, Uh, I don't want to shoot it any further than that Because we might get a window to podcast Monday Before you head out west Uh, Either way, let's just do your regular thing uh, Just for Brooklyn and Milwaukee
0: Well, first of all If we had predicted last night's game I would have got it wrong I thought Philadelphia was going to win They did not So I remain on quite the roll this year uh, Which is nice I think they're going to get both wins Uh, I think You know Milwaukee is tough, but I I sort of like the matchups uh, for the Rap- from the Raptors' perspective uh, in that uh, in that game. Uh, it didn't really pan out in the first game, but Kawhi and Giannis change everything about how both of those teams play. So I'm not sure how meaningful that first game. The Bucks was.
1: sure do get some threes up though. Forty four point yeah. five percent of their field goal attempts are threes. A lot of threes.
0: That's uh. That's They're also funny. the best
1: defensive rebounding team in basketball, and they send teams to the line fewer than, less often than almost anyone. So uh, you really got to make the shots count in this one. This is not going to be a game where likely um, you're going to be able to win the shooting possession battle by as much as they did against Philadelphia, who are a turnover-prone team and aren't particularly stingy sending you to the line, or at least weren't on Wednesday. So um, Milwaukee more of an execution-based opponent, if that's a fair way to put it. Um, because they're not going to let you do things like parade your way to the line, get second chances, or, or even turn them over a lot. They're, they're a medium turnover team. So um, this will this will be a good test for Toronto's offense, uh, for Toronto's system defense. Uh, it's fun. Brooke Lopez. The Raptors overall
0: have been playing really well defensively. Yeah, I thought I they think. were great yeah, last I'll night. I thought their
1: them. second half against Denver was, yeah. was pretty terrific defensively.
0: Cleveland, they were good, and Golden State, I mean, Durant hit some pretty impossible shots, but I think that was a, a fairly fine performance. Yeah, I'm less with it.
1: you on that one just because Klay Thompson missed a lot of really clean looks. Oh, yes, yeah.
0: yeah, but that's because he was spooked, clearly. Yeah,
1: no, it's because he was faded off that Canadian chocolate milk. That's uh, the good chocolate <laughs> milk, you know? Yeah. I guess other than Giannis, the most interesting consideration in uh, the Bucks game is Splash Mountain. Uh, Brooke Lopez hitting 37% on seven threes a game. Be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, I'd assume Ibaka starts because they'll want that extra body who can switch in a pinch against Giannis. Uh, I don't know. It'll be fun.
0: Seems like Ibaka almost always yeah. starts.
1: My prediction for that game is fun.
0: Yeah, uh, should be good. Um
1: Ilyasova and, and Don Maker, I, both I, on the Raptor Killer All Stars, so watch
0: out. Oh no. What's interesting about the charge stat that you said about the three leaders is how like, you know, one is a point guard, one is like I mean, now he's a four or even sometimes a five in Ilyasova, but he came into the league as a three slash four and is sort of built is you know pretty skinny and, and and not like a thicker body. And then DeMarcus Cousins is this, you know, obviously very nimble, but still, you know, thick center. Like they're just three completely different type types of players. Um, anyway, it's going to be a charge off obviously on Sunday. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It is. And then the NBA finals also going to be a charge off. It's just going to be Cousins and Lowry running over each other back and forth.
0: i'd like to see kyle lowry run over oh you're going to
1: game game seven of the nba finals at the at the scotia bank arena as drake drake is torn (laughs) between who he's rooting for the boy boy. with his own locker
0: also wearing
1: (sighs) i i don't uh i don't have a problem with people wearing jerseys i like jersey culture a little bit um Drake being on vacation, though, and wearing an R.J. Barrett Montverde Academy jersey with the matching shorts, though, the matching shorts is a step too far. We can't let that become a part of jersey culture.
0: Uh, uh Like, how? I mean, I guess money is how, but I don't know. That guy's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I love Drake. He's uh. Although I feel bad, so I was uh, I was working on my and we're going to pivot from Raptors to just riffing now uh, for those people who like us to save the riffing for the end. Hold on,
0: Could we save the riffing? Because I have a bit of a Kyle Lowry this whole thing rant sure. to go on, uh, yeah, if you absolutely. don't mind. Uh, so ESPN All Access, all of the access given to ESPN uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Kyle Lowry was on the jump on Tuesday. Uh said a bunch of honest things to the very good and compelling television host, Rachel Nichols. Uh, and then when asked about his relationship with Nisayu Jiri, said basically he's the president of basketball operations. I'm the point guard. Asked to expand on that. He said no. Uh, you know, and she did give him a chance to expand. Kyle Lowry is not dumb. He knew people would read into it uh, and chose not to expand, which is fine. Um, and then on Wednesday, Masai Jiri went on the jump and said, Kyle's always mad at me, whatever. And so then Michael Grange a sports and myself talked to Kyle Lowry about this on Wednesday night after the game. And he went on to say, "I'm not mad at him." Uh, First of all, that is a ridiculous sequence of events. Uh, If you know when Rachel Nichols gave Kyle Lowry the chance to clarify his his feelings, he could have said the same thing he said to us, you know, uh, twelve or eight hours later, which was, "I'm not mad." Uh, You know, I was hurt for my friend. Uh, This is just our relationship. It's always been our relationship. It's fine. Which he didn't really say at, at first. So you can, like, my, my larger point here is you can tell he sort of wants some attention with this. So all of that said, it doesn't matter because the guy's going to play his ass off on the court, and we've seen that a hundred times. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm having trouble with the people saying it, it doesn't, you know, that his, that he's not trying to make a point. That, you know, how he's going about it is just benign and and meaningless. But from a tangible on-court perspective, it's definitely meaningless.
1: I would agree That's with it. the on-court part. Um, my biggest issue with all of this is, and I know Lowry hasn't handled it the best necessarily. Um, and, and because he, I think, gets a kick out of being prickly with the media, um, or some media anyway. Clearly, I'm in as good books as he established last night. Uh, saying and I quote, yes. Blake can have whatever the fuck he wants anytime. <laughs> um, I was wearing Kyle Lowry's Adidas Pro Bounce Slow PE um, for context there. Um, anyway, my my issue with some of the discourse around it, and it's not Ujiri's fault or Lowry's fault or uh, Rachel Nichols' fault or anyone's like that. It, it's kind of I feel like there has been a critical lack of empathy. And not empathy in terms of Lowry and how he feels about this because it's a business and all that stuff. Uh, But the fact that people have not been able to wrap their heads around the fact that Kyle Lowry would want to tread carefully in what he's saying because DeMar DeRozan is his best friend. This goes back to USA Basketball Camp when Kyle Lowry made it clear he didn't want to talk about the trade. DeMar DeRozan is standing shouting distance away. And Kyle Lowry's in this impossible situation where if he expresses disappointment with the trade, um, his relationship with Kawhi Leonard gets off on the wrong foot and Masai Ujiri's relationship with Kawhi Leonard potentially gets off on the wrong foot. If he expresses excitement about the trade, well, DeMar DeRozan is right there and he's effectively saying, well, I'm cool with shipping out my best friend for, for an upgrade on the court. Um, he could not do either of those things. And as time has passed, maybe there's been room to do a little bit more of it. But DeMar DeRozan is still one of Kyle Lowry's, if not Kyle Lowry's, best friend. And I think that, you know, the strategy of letting it work on the court and, and not talking about it as much as possible, and that includes Media Day, it includes not answering requests throughout the offseason. Um, I think, while I think if it was done by a different player who didn't have a history of, Being a little combative with the media, it maybe would have been taken differently. Um, I think, though, that part of the problem has been that lack of empathy for Lowry's situation and the way he's trying to handle what's a difficult situation for his friendship with DeRozan, uh, as well as his professional relationship with Kawhi Leonard. So um, I think that's been a part of it. Again, Lowry hasn't handled it um, the smoothest. But I completely understand why he hasn't wanted to talk about it. Why he hasn't wanted to parade around, uh, you know, blowing party favors that Derozan got flipped for a better player. Uh, anyway, that was that was a rant. Yeah. But
0: yeah, yeah I, I went on a I went on a Twitter thread. Uh, I went on a Twitter thread. I have a Twitter thread uh, from Wednesday that probably better sums up uh, what I was trying to say because I'm better at writing than speaking. Like. Many writers, um, but my, you know, I think these things aren't mutually excru- exclusive. Like Lowry trying to make a point or making a bit of a point, and also Lowry playing his, still playing his ass off, uh, as well as Lowry having a, you know, a perfectly functional relationship. With Ujiri, with Masai, ultimately, like all those things can exist at the same time. Uh, I just think the way the the sequence of events this week was a bit silly.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, anyway, let's riff about non basketball stuff for a sec. Yeah. So sure. what was I? What was Good I going to say? We we were on something, and I was going to bring up.
0: Yeah, sorry. I just thought we should get get through wrap stuff. To something uh, music first.
1: related, and now I've lost. Oh, Drake. We were talking about Drake. I got this. I'm I'm a host. I can be in the host role. I didn't for, I didn't forget <laughs> something that happened ten minutes ago completely.
0: Most most hosts say yes, I am. A it's host like, like so uh, it's so like your point you the other day honest.
1: about how the straight shooters who tell it like it is always announce that they're straight shooters who tell yeah. it, like it is. I'm yeah. a host.
0: Yeah. This
1: is a segue, <laughs> or a seg. <laughs> And I am perd per have uh, or, or seg this is that one guy really who got mad when I when I use seg in all the time that one podcast <laughs> this is a seg
0: the question i have is really a okay. statement
1: uh, anyway uh, drake back to the back to the boy and we're not going to talk about his jersey or his thickness or his locker stall um,
0: his locker stall is stupid that's all okay Yeah. Well, continue.
1: we'll see how long that matters anyway
0: you can have a yeah yeah whatever it's just dumb but i again it's yeah, not It's the fun
1: matters, kind of dumb so though that's continue. fine uh, anyway drake yes. so i felt uh this is where the raptors part of the podcast is going to end uh i was i've been working on my 2018 favorite albums list and i went back through 2015 2016 2017 obviously drake has had an incredibly successful run as a musician i haven't disliked any of his albums but like none of his albums and he's had one each of those for years 2015 to 2018 i think none of them like rated all that highly for me and like scorpion will be in my top 50 but i don't know if it'll be in my top 25 um i don't know man it's drake kind of hold a weird place he has this obvious stra- this strategy that obviously fits um the music environment super well in the modern day where he's always on the radio and there are always new Drake songs or Drake features to consume um, his new feature with Meek Mill off championships is really good. And the Raptors have already worked it into their pregame routine. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't, I don't have a takeaway here, I guess is, is I just find it very interesting that Drake um, has been immensely successful staying in the public consciousness, staying at the top of the, the billboard hot 100 list, staying incredibly relevant and successful um, and putting out a ton of music by, by any industry standards. Uh, but You know, none of his last maybe four albums have been like aces, and I, I know that some people, some people probably disagree with that, but I don't know.
0: I would say his last, and I, I'm not as much of a a Drake fan as you are, but I, I think where we both are here is nothing was the same was really really good, and since then maybe it's just been more hit-and-miss song-wise, uh, tr- album track-wise. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, and,
1: and, agree? and look, the, Drake having um, legendary albums is not super important to the way Drake is consumed and the way Drake not, is building yeah. his legacy.
0: And, yeah. and it's not super important to
1: the way you make it It's not an album culture anymore. In, uh, in 2018 either, so. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's just it's just interesting thinking it in terms of pre craziness, Kanye. Yeah. Um, I think part of the reason that Kanye crossed over to many what I would call rockists is he, he clearly took the concept of the album very seriously. And that's, you know, the way a, a music fan uh, a, a, and a music critic, that that's something that they can really understand. And uh, I have a friend who uh, used to be, the music writer for the Canadian press, he still does some freelance work and he had an interview with a uh, ghost face killer once coming off of uh, one of his uh, late period albums that did really, really well. Uh, I can't remember, but uh, he asked him about the album versus the single and uh, ghost as I call him uh, said that I just want to have as many different, entry points into the out al- into my music as possible so i you know my goal isn't to have somebody listen to an album one through 16 necessarily but i just i want to hit everybody in some way and it's just a different way of of thinking about things and uh, that sort of comment and mindset has uh has stuck with me i don't know how applicable it is to drake i think it's really
1: every single yeah every single he puts out he yeah drake's dabbled in every music style at this point basically right short of short of pulling out the electric guitar like lil wayne uh drake's done a little bit of everything it's interesting too because I, i i wonder about lil wayne sometimes where lil wayne dominated basically 2007 to 2010 roughly um with kind of the strategy that predated this strategy of just putting it like like drake was putting or uh wayne was putting out Albums and mixtapes and rap rock things. And he was just trying everything under the sun. And I think part of that was, um, you know, he needed to do that uh, for himself. But part of it was also um, maybe a little bit ahead of his time in terms of seeing where music was going. And that, you know, the Carter 3 is a phenomenal album. But if you take the Carter 3 and stretch it out as singles a little longer and then take some of the other singles he had off of mixtapes or um, feature work or, or that weird rap rock album. Um, with that Kevin-something guy. Uh, I don't know, that song was super weird. The Let It Rock song, you know what I'm talking about?
0: Oh, yeah, uh, I vaguely remember that. But I, uh, I remember, yeah, that guy was yeah, famous for a second. Uh,
1: anyway, it was, uh, it was a very, like, 2018 strategy that Lil Wayne was employing in 2008. And there was also, like, like he put out the Young Money record that, that found Nicki, Um I don't know. It was, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. I, I'm curious... Obviously, we'll never know, but it, it seems like Lil Wayne almost, the peak of Lil Wayne almost fit, would fit now better than it did uh, then, which is crazy to say because for like three years, he was the biggest thing in hip hop, probably.
0: There you go. Kevin Rudolph.
1: Go. Minnesota Vikings yeah. tight end and uh, guitarist. Yes, I know. Kyle I know. Rudolph I know. is I know. the Minnesota Vikings. I know. I Eric, I know you. You put. You usually do a top ten songs list, right? Not albums.
0: You okay? So I was gonna. I was gonna transition to this. Uh, This is, you know, I've been carrying myself as an old man for a while, uh, but trying to listen to new music and and usually enough to be confident with a top ten songs list. This is the year I officially got old because, as Spotify told me this morning. Uh, the song I listened to most in 2018 was uh, "The Great Beyond" by oh. REM.
1: Not super helpful for your best of 2018 list.
0: I'm not making one. I just didn't listen to enough. Uh, it's really depressing. Maybe it'll be like a New Year's resolution of some sort. Uh, I can't think of like one album that I've constantly gone back to, and it's depre- yeah, it's just depressing and.
1: Did you check out the new yeah, girl? At least I know you liked the last one a lot.
0: I listen, Yeah, yeah, I listened to it once and I'll probably listen to it again. Uh I have downloaded it. So uh uh legally through legal means. Um so I'll listen to it again. I, I like, you know, again the 25 minute 15 song album does appeal to me in in many ways. So uh yeah I look forward to becoming more acquainted with that, but frankly, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts this year, which I know isn't necessarily your jam uh, you know if we, in the year of in a year of great anxiety uh i found that conversa you know immersing myself in conversations has been a bit more useful uh to block out the noise in my head. Well, than music, that's dumb to be and honest, uh, this got, this got, this got oddly serious. Right, well, let's make it end.
1: stupid to, to close it out.
0: Um, sure. How, Thoughts how on you know, Daniel uh, Bryan
1: as a climate change screaming heel. <laughs> so I can't funny. wait it's until nice. he comes out with a new uh, belt because he can't be the champion and carry around a leather belt because <laughs> he's vegan. I,
0: and Corey Graves like trying to push that along and, and then Brian not really using his uh his platforms to do so but then going off on his own rants at his on his own time there was something really br- brilliant about his uh his time as as an announcer on uh smackdown yeah yeah smackdown the idea run.
1: that He's just a, Oh, you're mad at me for kicking one man in the balls when all of you have ruined this planet. It's like such a wonderful equivalent. With thing. your water bottle, yeah. Effect. Oh, I kicked AJ Styles one the in the, in the dink. Effect. Well, you keep your home. More than I you made one be. mistake
0: yeah. one time. And he didn't even call it a mistake. But, you know, one mo- malevolent, malevolent. 11- I, why can't I say that word? One choice that you disagreed with one time and you've yeah, turned on him. Unbelievable.
1: Okay. I think I think we, Fickle. I think Fickle. we officially made this uh Fickle. I think we officially made this ending stupid enough and light enough.
0: Yeah. Uh assuming I still know how to write, look out for a feature uh on the Raptors tomorrow. Uh hopefully on Friday, I should say. There is the possibility that I can no longer write and that will be delayed until
1: next week. In which week, case, more I touches for me, so everyone benefits. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank you for coming on. Guys, we'll yeah. talk to you probably next week.
0: If not, the week after. See ya! Only to be
1: a reasonable man.